worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus said, you have, heard it, you have heard that it is said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Jesus repeats this formula over and again throughout our reading for today. But rather than throwing out the old laws and ushering in something new, Jesus is strengthening and intensifying the established rules, almost exaggerating them. And in doing this, I see Jesus making a distinction. A distinction between the letter of the law, what the Hebrew and Jewish people have heard and passed on for millennia, and something more, something deeper and more profound, which is the heart of the law, the spirit of the law. And this movement from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law is how Jesus will lead us from rigid rule following to right relationships from the adequacy and mediocrity of dutifully observing the law 
to living into the fullness of the kingdom of God. When it comes to rules and boundaries, I think children demonstrate very well what our human response is, at least in my experience. So see if this feels familiar to those of you who have ever known and loved a child. Our sweet, sweet children will nod their heads and acknowledge a rule that has been made, a boundary that has been set. Yes, yes, mom, I understand. But then they want to walk right up to the line and look at you innocently because they're not breaching the boundary. But then they inch forward and they put their toes right on it. And then they look at you again. And they will stay right there on the brink, nearly breaking the plane, but not. Though, if at any point your attention seems to be divided, they will put a toe just over the line. Just one toe. Just to see if you are serious or what might happen next. But this is not just childish behavior. This is human behavior. Yes, we want to be good people. We plan to follow the rules when it comes to the commands and teachings of Scripture. We fully intend to toe the line. But there's a good chance that we'll walk right up to it and rest our toes against it. We like to know clearly what is the bare minimum requirement. And in meeting this bare minimum requirement, we will be dutifully and adequately if barely, observing the line or the law. In our passage for today, we start with, you have heard it said, don't murder. Okay, check. I've never even come close to murdering someone, which I assume is the norm here. We're doing great. <clears throat> and throughout this passage, we may breathe some sighs of relief at every you have heard it said because we have not crossed those particular lines. Adultery? No way. Swearing falsely? I mean, not typically. But then there are those of us who get a little too comfortable in our own capacity to toe the line and follow all the rules. But then that comfort turns to anxiety every time Jesus says, but I say to you. Because in this new interpretation of the law, suddenly we can't claim our own self-righteousness. In an instant, we are no longer on the right side of the boundary. Jesus has taken that line in the sand and expanded it into an area that we cannot seem to escape. From murder to anger with an exclamation of, you fool, making us liable to the hell of fire. From swearing falsely to swearing at all, any language stronger than yes or no comes from the evil one. So Jesus only uses that construction, you have heard it said, but I say to you, four times in this passage. But I get the sense that if challenged, Jesus could go on and on. The laws in the Hebrew scripture number something like 600, and I'm certain that Jesus could teach us something about all of them. How about for our reflection today, we narrow that list down to 10. 10 really important and enduring laws that were given to God's people through Moses as the Ten Commandments. How's everyone doing with the Ten Commandments lately? 
keeping them all? That's a trick question, because the question isn't, are you keeping them all? The question really is, to what standard are you keeping them? Like murder? Yep, still haven't murdered anyone, right? Don't bear false witness? Yeah, I think most of us have been clear of any and all charges of slander and libel and perjury and the like. That's good. But for a different perspective on what keeping these laws looks like, all we have to do is dial our memory back to confirmation. Or whenever you've studied the commandments along with the wisdom and teachings of old Martin Luther, everyone's favorite medieval German monk. Cracking open that little booklet called The Small Catechism leads us to continually ask and wonder, what does this mean? What do these commands mean? Like, what do they really mean for Christians today? I know one thing I have felt in reading through Luther's explanation of the Ten Commandments was something like, that's not fair. I have been cheated out of my ability to keep the law and follow the rules. Because I could obey the letter of the law, mostly, sometimes. But when it comes to the heart of the law, to the intention of God to the realm of the kingdom of heaven, we all have a long way to go. If your memory of the small catechism has maybe faded a bit over the years, or if you are not familiar, you can find that uh, text in the very back of the red hymn book in your pew. Starting on page 1160 is where the small catechism starts. And there, right, right off the bat, is listed the Ten Commandments, those ten very familiar rules, setting forth with great clarity the letter of the law of God. Of course, if you look below each commandment, if you read on just a little bit further, Martin Luther explains, after asking, what does this mean? How we, as the people of God, are expected not just to adhere to the letter of the law, but to the heart of the law. Not only the bare minimum of what we should not do, but the expectation, the fullness of how we might live into uh, being witnesses of the reign of God. So look at or think of the seventh commandment, for example. You shall not steal. That's fine. What you shall do instead is to actively help your neighbor improve and protect their property and income. Huh. Does that mean that we need to plan for some HGTV-inspired DIY projects going down next door this summer? Maybe. Or how about then the Eighth Commandment? You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't lie about your neighbor or betray or slander them or destroy their reputation. What's more, though, you should actively speak well of them and come to their defense when others speak ill of them. And here's the kicker. Interpret everything they do in the best possible light. I think we regularly struggle to do that with even our own family and friends. How, how are we doing uh, at upholding that with those who challenge us? Now, the small catechism is not scripture, and Martin Luther is not Jesus, not by a long shot. However, Luther was working off of a pretty good precedent. You have heard it said, but I say to you. 
Jesus intensifies the letter of every law and raises the standard to keeping the heart of the law, not to dutifully towing the line, but fulfilling God's intention behind the law for life and health and wholeness. And as Jesus reveals this new way of thinking about the law, we are convicted. Yes, we are reminded in no uncertain terms that we are sinful, we are in desperate need of a Savior and of God's grace. And that is a very important reminder. And yet I'm convinced that's not the whole point of a passage like we just heard in Matthew chapter 5. We are aware, most of us, of our shortcomings without being bashed over the head by guilt or shame by Jesus or Martin Luther. And we, as Lutherans, proclaim that we are not saved by works or the law, but by God's grace alone. So why? Why would Jesus, who is not specifically Lutheran, by the way, but why would Jesus, why would Martin Luther put so much emphasis on the law? I think it might be because these teachings invite us to see the world in a new way. They help us to dream about God's vision for humanity and our relationships with God and others. Through these teachings, we see glimpses of what life and relationship might be like and can be like in the kingdom of God. As unlikely as it sounds, this is borne out even in our Old Testament reading. Moses was quite clear in Deuteronomy in verse 16, you obey the commandments by loving the Lord, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments. Which is to say that the law is not to be kept for the sake of keeping the law. The law is to be kept for the sake of relationship with God and for the sake of others. The laws are for us, but they're not, at the end of the day, about us. They're about our neighbor. These laws are about our families and our communities. They're about us, plural, together. So yes, we are saved by grace, but the law is still here, still creating boundaries, directing us toward right relationship with God and care for our neighbor, showing us our sin, yes, but then pointing us toward abundant life. Because now, after Christ, the law no longer has that death-dealing power to condemn us. Jesus came to fulfill the law and to fulfill all righteousness and in so doing, toss out mediocrity and adequacy and to reveal the intention of the divine among us. Saying something like, yes, those are some good rules, but this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. This passage of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is not about shaming and blaming. It's about a new realm living in relationship with God and others. But I say to you is about loving bigger and welcoming wider and hoping without fear and dreaming a God-sized dream. What if we could set aside being content with the way things are and instead dream of things the way God intends them. Not just towing the line in our lives, but fulfilling God's hopes for how we might live together in love and unity. What if? And how long? 
In the meantime, we live in God's amazing grace, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would empower each one of us each day to follow the law in such a way that the love of the gospel and the love of our neighbor radiates out from what we say and what we do because the heart of the law reveals God's heart and God's hopes and intentions for how we will live as his people. May the day quickly come when all is complete and all is fulfilled in us. Amen.